This is the latest. Hello everyone and welcome back to a very special episode of the latest podcast. Obviously the big new story going on at the moment has been the Qatar World Cup and so I'm joined today, oh, I'm Ray by the way, I should have probably mentioned that, <laughs> I'm joined by the wonderful Bella and Carla and we're talking about all the controversies that have been going on um, surrounding the World Cup. I think first we're going to jump in, in, into a little bit of the human rights abuses before we come on to chat about the main focus of the show, which is obviously the anti-LGBTQ plus discrimination that's been taking place at the moment. Before we begin, just want to mention a quick trigger warning. There are mentions of rape, transphobia, homophobia, uh, racism, and just general violence. So if you're not comfortable with any of that stuff and you can't give this one a listen, that is perfectly okay. What, 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 what do you want to chat about first? So um, migrant workers um, have been exploited uh, whilst they've been trying to build the infrastructure for the World Cup in Qatar. And winning the bid in FIFA was already quite controversial. And there were claims from the offset of corruption and oil money being used to win the bid. It is the first country in the Middle East to hold the World Cup uh, with some opposing views on both sides. But yeah, migrant workers have been exploited and have been treated as um, dispensable, working in dangerous conditions and extreme heat. And many have compared the situation to modern day slavery. And in 2021, it was estimated since 2010, over 6,500 people have died from South Asian countries, including Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan, Nepal, and Bangladesh. And it's hard to give an exact figure due to the elusive nature of Qatari officials and the lack of available information. The frustrating thing about that is as well, if you look at what the Qatari government has released, they've said only three people have like been killed you know, or it's died. A vast difference. Yeah, it's, mm. it's mad. Yeah, I, I think we've got um one story in here. I think it's um an article from the Guardian about the human cost of the Qatar World Cup, right? It speaks about this person went over, he was perfectly healthy, and then he died of allegedly a heart condition but it's like how can this person who's super super healthy suddenly get this heart condition and then die within about two years it is a little bit suspicious so of course while some things might have been attributed from you know the Qatari government to things like heart conditions it might actually be as a result of the conditions we're under although obviously we can't know that is mere speculation and it's the conditions they're living in um were awful so there were claims of like 12 people into a tiny room with like dirty uh, toilets, dirty kitchens, uh, eating rotting food, which is um, quite extreme when you think about how much money Qatar has as a whole for these migrant workers to be living on such a poor living standard is just a massive contrast. And I think following on from the money point as well is the fact that they had the money to then create the arenas, the stadiums that they need, because in the first place, when they were awarded it in 2010, they didn't actually have the resources to host the World Cup, which led to, obviously, all of these migrant workers coming over, building the like infrastructure, um, which then led to their deaths. And I think knowing that they had the money to do that, but they couldn't put anything into the actual people building it, it it's quite frustrating. Yeah, and another frustrating aspect of it was the Kafala sponsor system that was in place and it was um, actually abolished a year um, before the World Cup, but um, that basically meant that their employers were unable to like change their contract or like had the monopoly over if they could leave. 
um, the country or leave their job. So they're basically tied into these um, like power and balanced contracts. And um, they did get rid of that, but that was in 2021. So there is basically people are saying that it's too little too late. And like following on from the fact that human rights when it comes to migrant workers are so poor, you've then obviously got, you know, the big lack of human rights when it comes to gay people and LGBTQ plus people and you know that I think that's been the main controversy of the the World Cup and obviously you've had all of the squads wearing one love armbands and then deciding to take them off after like realising they'd get a yellow card rather than just a fine and like on one hand I can I can see where they're coming from I understand that they're going out there to represent the country they don't necessarily want you know any kind of backlash straight away but at the same time it kind of feels like not false hope but a bit like false advertisement and false promises false promises yeah well I, I know that's one thing that's been quite interesting is I believe when they were awarded the World Cup, they were also told they had to make certain changes and stuff to their human rights, like uh, stuff, some of the stuff going on. I believe they're also supposed to make certain stuff surrounding queer people as well. Like I know since at least 2020, there's been a number of officials who publicly come out and said, we will, you know, pride flags in stadiums, all that stuff. That's totally fine. That's totally acceptable. And then just for the World Cup, I believe there was an interview done with the Attorney General, Abdulaziz Abdullah Al-Ansari, uh, who's the Major General, and he said he would confiscate pride flags from people coming into the stadium, but for their own personal safety. So, oh, if you are there and you're showing support for LGBTQ plus rights, etc., you could come under threat, you know, from, from fans in the stadium. So sort of his justification for it is to protect the people. But obviously it does seem quite bizarre when they've said so much about, you know, the importance of allowing people to have these pride flags, then to suddenly do a U-turn just before it. Of course, we have seen a couple U-turns as well. I know there was supposed to be beer and alcohol in the stadiums. And then I think it was the day before they announced that was no longer the case. So there have been all sorts of changes in, in regards to that. Yeah, with the, like, beer as well, I think is it Budweiser who was the... Yeah, Budweiser was the official sponsor for the yeah. World Cup. and so they've paid a lot of money to then have this sponsorship to then have it pulled out. And, like, if you go into any big supermarket at the moment, there's big stands of, like, Budweiser saying, oh, official sponsor of the World Cup, and it just... Mm. It's, again, like, false promises and it's false advertisement in a way and it just doesn't seem fair. Mm. And then with the pride flags as well, obviously so many u-turns so frustrating and like people don't really know where they stand with it now because on the one hand it seems like they're showing more respect for you know visitors rather than the qatari people but even then there's still certain rules and regulations that they have to follow that aren't being set out like very clearly yeah definitely so i feel like we should give a little bit of um like backdrop to you know lgbtq plus stuff and lgbtq plus rights in Qatar. So there are no legal protections for the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community, despite leaders vowing that travellers, you know, w- will be safe. I know James Cleverley's sort of made certain statements in the past about, you know, gay people going over there need to show a little bit of flex and compromise when going over there. But it's sort of like, how can you really say it's safe when it's not safe, you know, for, for queer people to travel there? In Qatar, same-sex relationships are criminalised. And I believe, according to the, like, the Human Dignity Trust, due to an interpretation of Sharia law that Qatar follows, it criminalises homosexuality between men, under which it is possible the death penalty may be imposed. So as far as I'm aware, there's no evidence of, you know, them, like, killing someone for being gay. But the fact that it's, you know, still criminalised, you can go to jail for being, you know, gay or lesbian is you know, horrible in my 
opinion, there has also been one pretty damning article I found from iNews, which was talking about it, which sort of speaks about the situation. The title is literally called Qatar Officials Gang Rape Me for Being Gay. The truth about the world Cup, how the World Cup hosts treat LGBT people. It's, yeah, it, it, it's really, really horrible. Uh, there's a, one quote I really want to chat about, which was, earlier this year, another Filipino worker uh, in, Do- in Doha told Dr. Nas Mohammed, he's the, uh, sorry, they are the only openly queer person, they've since left Qatar as a political, I believe, like migrant, uh, they're now in the US, but they are the only like openly queer Qatari that we know of. And, you know, this worker spoke to them and said, it was his birthday and he put light foundation on and very light lipstick and went out to celebrate. The security department found him, took him in and deported him without a day. His crime was makeup. There was also the story of, you know, uh, an anonymous man, I believe he was a Filipino worker who went over, and basically they have sort of like spies. So there's like men who were, who were like working for the government who pretend to be gay, go onto dating apps to lure, especially like workers from other countries who, who, who are gay, and then will gang rape them and, and do all sorts of horrible stuff. I believe one of the people there, he was offered money and told to dress up like a woman, so then he can get done on grounds of being trans, but also not just being gay, but also being a prostitute, so that's even more you know, stuff you can hold against them, which is very, very messed up. I also really liked that article because it was speaking a lot about other countries. Of course, famously, it chatted about sort of David Beckham and how David Beckham says, you know, Qatar's a place for everyone. And then, of course, you've got the reality of, you know, gay people getting raped in that country. How can you really claim that it is for everyone? Of course, there has been some good stuff with Joe Lycett. I don't know if you saw that whole thing. That was very, very good. For those who weren't aware, basically, he said to David Beckham, you've said it's Qatar's this wonderful welcoming place obviously they've got a terrible human rights record and you know anti-LGBT stuff so he offered him says you can donate all the I, th- I think it was 150 million like all the money you've made you can donate some of that to charity and come out and say I don't support this country if you don't I'm going to be shredding 150,000 uh, pounds uh, you know a grand for each of the million that approximately uh, allegedly David Beckham was offered and in the end he didn't shred the money he did uh, donate all the money instead to Stonewall and the Rainbow Laces uh, campaign which was you know quite a noble thing but it shows that that got a lot of traction and a lot of support in the UK which shows just how just how unpopular like David Beckham's decision was yeah I listened to a podcast with Dr Naz Mohammed on it and he's a very inspirational Qatari um he was really brave um and he as you said he is the only openly um gay Qatari at the moment and um he basically described that in Qatar it's kind of a tribal mentality when it comes to family dynamics and so if they find out you're queer if like friends and family find out you're queer um you bring shame to your whole family and um that your those friends and families then um basically let a state sponsored conversion therapy um like place know about it and report you to the sort of morality police that you were talking about and um, there, there's reports of abuses happening there, being kept in solitary confinement underground. Um, so, like, going back to, like, David Beckham, it's, like, all well and good saying, like, oh, everyone's welcome, but what happens when the visitors leave and the Qataris are left to face that discrimination on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think as well, when it comes to the morality police, you, like, Ray, as you mentioned, all of the things that they've done, you know, going online and like pretending to be gay in possibly like chat rooms and hunting people down. Surely you could argue that's morally ambiguous, if not wrong. Mm. And so it just seems a bit hypocritical almost to have, you know, morality police 
hunting down people who are simply living their lives, not harming anyone in any way, shape or form. Well, yeah, that, that's one thing that's been very interesting is they've sort of spoken about like, or at least before the World Cup, they're saying stuff like, you know, what you do in your own private life, sort of your own business. But like, if you go out in public, stuff like holding hands, you know, same sex or, you know, different sex couples is like frowned upon in their culture. But it's like, well, if you're just on a gay dating app and you're arranging to meet in a hotel room, surely that's not... Uh, well, I, I, to be fair, I think dating is illegal in Qatar, so you could argue that's the case. But it's like... In my opinion, like if someone's just doing something in the privacy of their own home or their hotel room, I don't really see how that's that much of an issue. So again, as you said, it does just seem a little bit hypocritical. That idea as well can be like said to every country because you've always got people like even in the UK where you in know, the UK is not perfect either. Yeah. No, you talk about like uh, gay people or trans people, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't get it. Why are they rubbing it in my face? And mm. it's like they're not. And you'll see a lot of stories within the media, you know, talking about this because it's an important issue. And especially when it comes to trans rights recently, like that's been in the news quite a lot. But it's not an ostentatious show of, you know, like queer people. And no one's shoving it down. Yeah, (laughs) queer people just exist. And Mm. and that's the thing. And like, I think a lot of people don't understand that. And that's when it gets to like be frustrating because, you know, you've got all these people fighting against it. Well, that, that's the thing. It's like it's like the only reason why it's becoming this big political thing and people are becoming aware of it is because it's like we aren't getting rights. So like, if you just let us have the same rights, then we wouldn't have to do this. Like, it really doesn't make that much of a big deal. But like, when you're trying to take away like LGBTQ plus rights, obviously LGBTQ plus people are going to be like, maybe don't do that, please. But I do also want to chat, you know, about the UK as well because there has been some responses from, well, in, in particular, James Cleverly, our foreign secretary, that haven't been particularly good. Carla, I know you were sort of following the story quite closely. Yeah, so it came as a bit of a shock, or maybe not a shock, it was just quite an outward expression of kind of like, you have to conform. So it was um, the Conservative MP, James Cleverly. Um, he told LGBTQ plus fans to show a little flex and compromise in Parliament and to respect the culture of the home nation. Labour MP Luke Pollard stood in Parliament in response and said, I declare an interest as a massively gay man, but as an England-supporting homosexual, it's not safe for someone like me to watch the World Cup in Qatar. Because of human rights abuses of migrant workers and Qatar's LGBT population, I personally don't think Qatar should ever have been awarded a major sporting competition. And I just want to touch on the opposing view of that for a second. So obviously Qatar is a mostly Muslim country, and um, there is the argument that you need to respect their culture but at the same time it is a massive debate whether Qatar should have hosted the World Cup when they don't really have a foot like a history in football Mm. it's never it's like the climate actually isn't um, you physically can't unless you build these massive stadiums with air conditioning and stuff like that so yeah even the fact it's even held in that geographical location is up for debate as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that we cover in our Vox Pops a little bit later. So if you're interested in that, tune in. Obviously, we've done a lot of stuff now on the background, the lead up to the World Cup. And I think we want to talk about the controversies specifically at the World Cup. So during the tournament, these controversies have continued. Many different teams have pledged to wear the One Love armband. So I'll give you a little bit of history on the movement. Basically, and this is according to the 
the Netherlands website, I believe uh, the Netherlands football team were the main team to start up this initiative. They stated that uh, One Love initially started as a campaign by the Dutch Football Association, which emphasises on the fact that all football fans have one thing in common, their love for football. With this message, the creators want to express their support for unification of all people, and at the same time, they want to speak out against all forms of discrimination. So I believe on the their games in the end of September. Ten countries announced where the One Love armband in the upcoming games. They were Belgium, Denmark, Germany, England, France, the Netherlands, Norway, Wales, Sweden and Switzerland. And during the World Cup, England, Wales, Denmark, Netherlands, Germany and Belgium all said they were going to wear these One Love armbands during the opening rounds of fixtures. Obviously, they've done a U-turn on that. I believe the reason why the U-turn happened, while they were aware of potential sanctions, I believe they were aware that their players would get a fine, or like a small fine, if they wore the One Love armbands. I think the team said they're willing to like cover the cost of those fines. It was when the players were threatened with yellow cards or worse sanctions for those armbands where they unanimously decided to not wear the armbands. Uh, there were still some forms of protests during the open round of fixtures. Obviously, famously, there was Iran, who none of them sang the national anthem, which was in solidarity with all the protests going on surrounding the death of Marcel Amini. We've also done a podcast on that. Check that out if you're interested in that. And there was Germany. They all put their hands over their mouths to emphasise, you know, almost suggest they were being silenced by FIFA, which I believe was quite a powerful statement. Yeah, so it, it's just pretty... Crazy. I, th- I think the the U turns they made is quite interesting, especially when you saw countries like Iran still go ahead with the protest because it seems like I think people believe if England wanted to protest, they should have done it regardless of the sanctions. And to do this U turn suggests they don't really care th- enough about LGBTQ plus discrimination. And it's like when you consider the punishments on offer for people being gay in Qatar versus the punishment of a yellow card for a player for wearing an armband, it doesn't sort of seem to add up and I, and I obviously do understand I, I wouldn't want Harry Kane to get a yellow card or for him to miss any games for making the statement but it would have been nice to see them you know at, at least make some sort of form of statement saying something like well of course we wanted to do it but we don't feel as though we can or, or, or something it just seems as though because of the backlash they haven't done anything which I think is the main source of frustration and it's not like other footballers haven't um, taken a hard stand against it so it is possible but it does mean that they have to sit out of the World Cup like Hector Bellary he vowed not to take part in the World Cup and he actually got awarded GQ um, I think it was like an award for his um, massive like show of solidarity and so it is almost pros and cons it's like you can stand with this community but then it means you can't actually take part in your profession and one of the biggest sport arguably the biggest sporting event in the world so it's a real yeah it's a real shame that you can't do both yeah and the frustrating thing from england as well is it just does feel like performative activism like i i'm sure that the squad and the whole team you know are against what's happening in qatar and all of these well the lack of human rights that they've got in place however to be completely silent on it after making such a big u-turn it it does just feel like they were kind of doing it because someone told them to yeah it's interesting because obviously there is the um taking the knee which is in solidarity with black lives matter i i believe the statement is now sort of just like no racism instead of like black lives matter because that's been a bit more controversial i don't know if that's that's the case but anyway at the start of every game they take the knee um, you know, to, to basically emphasise discrimination is, is not okay. Mm. And all the players are happy and willing to do that. And of course, there's been no backlash to that. But you'd assume in a society, if the whole message is no discrimination, we don't support racism, surely they can extend that same message to LGBT people or do another form of, of 
thing. You know, of course, um, the England players have been criticised, I-, I think, by traditionally more conservative pundits in the UK for that. Lots of people saying that that is performative activism. I don't necessarily agree with that notion. But yeah, the idea that you that, that they aren't going to do the same thing towards LGBTQ plus people, despite, you know, being openly or, or talking very much about, you know, no discrimination as a whole. It just feels, as a queer person myself, as though they they aren't giving the same like levels of attention to all forms of discrimination, which is a shame. And I'm, I'm not trying to like belittle the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement or taking the knee. I think that's a very powerful statement. I always support thinking of players when they do that. But it's like, if you can do one thing and come up with one, you know, way to do a protest that is, that is effective and would, you know, get around those sanctions, I think they can at least do something, even if, if it's just coming out and saying, we weren't able to make a statement, but this is how we feel about, uh, you know, the anti-LGBT discrimination in the country. Hopefully when... You know, once the World Cup's finished, hopefully we win, fingers crossed. Um, and once like the squad's back in the UK, maybe they'll be more vocal about it then. Um, yeah, or maybe FIFA will be more conscious of where they award the World Cup and stuff like that. But I also think it's important to note that uh, the presenter, Alex Scott, she actually wore yeah. the One Love uh, armband. And I saw his tweet saying, oh, it's funny that it's the woman that's wearing that yeah. um, that managed to sneak one in. So I thought that was a really powerful just gesture of uh, solidarity as well. Yeah. I think one interesting thing as well that I've heard personally is that there was a member, I can't remember who it was, but one of the women from the England squad, um, obviously they've just won the Euros, you know, Jill Scott's just won, I'm a celeb, like... The lionesses are kind of in the limelight a bit at the yeah. moment once again and one of them was interviewed on bbc nottingham and she prefaced before the interview she said look i don't want to talk about the world cup like it's not something i i agree with i don't think they should have had it in qatar and i think you know it's not going to be like, i know i'm a footballer i know it's my job but i don't want to talk about it and i think to have you know a, a squad where the majority of the people on it are queer a lot of them are in relationships with each other mm. on, on the team to then have the stark contrast of what well what we can only assume is an all straight male squad yeah that, that's there's, one thing that's there's no openly gay football players yeah. playing in the world well, cup yeah there's well. yeah there's no opening gay footballers playing in the world cup and that, that's one thing that's been very very interesting i think we're going to chat about this a little bit later when we're talking to the members of the lgbtq show on LSR later but there was an incident earlier with Ica Casillas who was you know a, a legend for Spain and he was basically linked to tons of women in Spanish media and so he then as a joke came out as gay or was hacked and someone pretended to come out as gay regardless the response he received from like his own fans like Real Madrid fans were like I'm never supporting my club again like this is embarrassing like and all this stuff and it's like all the du- the person did either he was hacked or he actually just did it for a joke came out as gay and to receive that level of response and also just all the banter online as a queer person was like very uncomfortable like a bunch of people just making you know this person such a famous footballer like a legendary footballer one of my favorite players to watch growing up coming out as gay should have been this huge like watershed moment of oh my goodness getting all the support and instead it just turned into a bunch of laughs or like actual abuse and it is just yeah it is yeah really really terrifying not good to see but i do want to uh, speak just before we end, there is one thing that was very, very interesting. So there have been um, some controversy surrounding the pride flags. Of course, Wales also have those famous pride bucket hats. I believe during the first round of fixtures, they weren't allowed. And then during the second round of fixtures, they said they were allowed. But then allegedly, officials were taking them away from the stadiums for people getting in anyway. So it's sort of, again, just seems like that confusing, 
you know, messaging of is it okay, is it not okay? But there was, you know, serial pitch invader uh, Mario Ferry who ev- evaded security at the 2014 and the 2010 World Cup. Uh, he ran onto the pitch on Sunday at the game between Portugal and Uruguay wearing wearing a pride flag and wearing a, a shirt that said on the front, save Ukraine, and on the back, respect for I- Iranian women. He was detained shortly afterwards and was released and nothing happened to him. And it was just a really, really iconic story, uh, to be honest. I-, I-, I really loved some of the stuff that he was talking about. Like he said, he had like, a, you know, a-, a female friend in Qatar who was who was really struggling. Sorry, a female friend in Iran who was struggling in light of all the protests going on. And it was just really amazing to 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 see that it was nice to see him as well get detained as far as i'm aware not suffer any well the only sanctions he suffers i think he's got his card removed and he can't go to watch any more games at the world cup but it was just quite a powerful, a powerful um protest i think well. yeah it was it was such a great image like seeing that on twitter and everything i feel like it is kind of worth it even if you can't watch any more of the matches you can there's all these tvs you, it's, if you're not there in person you've made your impact what a great show of solidarity. I do, yeah, I do want to note that one of the ways Qatar is getting around this um, like whole homophobic attitude is that they claim that there's no gay people in Qatar. So it's just, I don't know, it's just yeah. kind of factually, like, or statistically impossible. Mm. So. Uh, that's one thing that's, that's very interesting as well, I, f- I think. Firstly, the reason why there's no gay people in Qatar is because, like, they can't come out, so that's probably why you don't know of any queer people <laughs> in Qatar. Yeah. But secondly, like, one thing that I, I've seen reported is allegedly that Qatar officials are planning a purge on LGBTQ people after the World Cup due to, like, Western influences, sort of arguing that there's, you know, they need to do a crackdown on the gay people that exist in Qatar because the Westerners are making them more gay or, or, or something weird like that. And it is just one thing that's very interesting that I've sort of struggled with while doing this podcast, but just in general thinking about, talking about the Qatar World Cup is, whatever we're doing, we need to make sure it's as good as possible for, you know, the queer people in Qatar. And I think some of the discussions or some of the protests that have been had aren't necessarily helpful to the actual LGBTQ plus community in Qatar. Uh, so I haven't mentioned those questions on some of the Vox Pox. We're also going to be chatting to the LGBTQ society about that later. So if you're interested, stick around for the rest of uh, the podcast. And I think in the meantime, you're going to hear some Vox Pops. And then in about 20 minutes time or or, or so after that, um, you'll hear me talking to the LGBTQ SOC uh, later. But yeah. Uh, <coughs> Sorry, I'm really... <laughs> that is okay. Um, thank you to very much for for coming on um and having a chat um yeah i'll, I'll see you both <laughs> see you both very soon bella is just coughing and sputtering all over the place thank you so much for listening guys and stick around for the vox Pops. are you aware of the controversies surrounding the guitar world cup how do you become aware of them yeah i was aware of the controversies i got aware of them mostly through bbc news where i was first initially reading when i was in the lead up to guitar hearing about stadiums being built and not particularly following human rights abuses. Um, yes, I read of the controversies. Um, I was kind of made aware of them by looking at the footage in the lead up to the cup. Um, I'm aware of a few of the controversies like uh, obviously Qatar's lack of human rights and also the, the slave labour. Um, and I became familiar with it through social media. So I suppose a lot of what I saw probably has to take with a pinch of salt. So what do you think about the World Cup being hosted in Qatar? I think it was a difficult decision as there was lots of lives lost and a lot of slave work also in creating a stadium and everything. So I think the world, the FIFA organisation is corrupt and I don't think it should be in Qatar. Um, I don't have many thoughts on it being hosted in Qatar. Um, However, I think 
it's good that it's been hosted somewhere new. Um, I am very sceptical about the whole thing. Um, I think it's taking away from what football is all about and what FIFA initially stood for. So FIFA started out, started off about getting all these like footballing teams together to play each other. And there's all these stories about how like teams would get on like freight ships and they'd like Argentina would pass by Brazil and pick up the Brazil team and they'd go and play football and do all these amazing things. Never. And it was all about bringing people together and making us all accept each other's cultures, especially like Brazil, Argentina, countries that rub each other. They they put it put all that stuff aside and they play football. And what Qatar is doing is doing having the World Cup there is doing the opposite of what football should do and especially international football I think that it's separating us and making us question the way that we run our countries and our societies within those countries instead of forgetting those and focusing on football I think personally it's a World Cup it should be hosted in different nations instead of Western countries you know what I mean they should embrace the whole world instead of one particular culture you know what I mean so in a way you gotta respect a nation's culture as well because they're not like western people they don't think like us they're religion based so if that's what they respect most than anything then you just gotta respect it amazing thank you guys for that that was um very useful responses. And my next question is, has hearing of these controversies affected your enjoyment of watching the World Cup at all? I don't know. It's been tough because obviously you, you want to avoid supporting it, boycotts if you can, to make some kind of statement when one, not, not much of one is available, but also you want to support your country. So it's a hard one. Yeah, it's kind of that problem where it is obviously... You want to support your team, be patriotic and get, take part in the enjoyment of it, you know, go out with your friends to the pub and things like that, because obviously the social element to it, even if you don't watch the football for the game, you're watching it as a community aspect. But it's just a shame that the community side has to be overshadowed by all the human rights abuses that are going on. Um, yeah, I am aware because um, I'm personally part of the LGBTQ community. Um, I would say it has affected my enjoyment of the World Cup because obviously I would prefer that my money does not go towards kind of oppression of gay people but on the other hand i think it's a good thing that um football is reaching countries that are not kind of in the western narrative and uh, it's good that we're reaching out and trying to help people change originally i was a bit miffed at the english team for uh, not wearing the armbands um, i was thinking I don't, well, why do I want to support a team that just doesn't really care about all those social and uh, human rights? But then again, I, I read a few a few opinions on the matter, and it, it it's, it's not really there. It's not their fault that this is all going on in Qatar, and it is the peak of their careers. It's what their whole life's been building to. So you can't really blame them for for you know going along with it. So there's zero openly gay players in the World Cup 2022. How do you feel about homosexuality in relation to football as a whole? I think it shouldn't make a difference what your sexual preference is. Whether you play sport, whatever profession you go into, it shouldn't matter what your preference is. So I just think it shouldn't even be a question. It shouldn't be a topic. Well, in terms of the World Cup, I'm not surprised whatsoever that there isn't any openly gay football players there. The fact that there, there is non-openly gay football players, there must be, and it's about why, why, why do they feel the need that they 
they can't let themselves be that person. I'll give you an example, right? So the first openly gay football player ever was Justin Fashnu. He played for Norwich City, which is my club, back in the 70s and the 80s. He killed himself from the abuse years later. His own mental depression, all these things. But a big key part of that was because of the abuse he got. And if players now are looking back at people who have come out and the abuses they got, then I understand why they wouldn't come out. That whole, it also comes into that hyper-masculinity, that sort of, like, in the terraces of these football stadiums, the kind of, the culture of that is just, it's, it's bigots. Yeah, it's toxic. Mm. There's a lot of bigots. It's just, it's not a welcoming thing. I mean, I think it's just a big inherent issue in our society and football always seems to reflect that, especially masculinity. But I think there is movements happening and we are trying to change that. But with anything this big and about society, it just takes time. I think anyone should be able to like and do what they want. And football should embrace that as well as the other industries. Um, like, uh, I believe that if you if you love someone, it doesn't really matter what gender, because at the end of the day, you your life and you choose your happiness but when it comes to football football has always been a masculine sport with guys you know what I mean it's they they don't they're not open to homosexuals because in a way it it could take it away yeah like toxic masculinity yeah it could take it away from that so that's why football players aren't really open in that category. So. Are you aware of some of the protests about anti-LGBTQ discrimination that's taking place at the World Cup? What do you think of some of the U-turns on these protests? Uh, I am aware of them, um, and I'm pretty disappointed that it's being turned back so quickly. In the end, if your career requires you to go against core values, such as human rights, then maybe you should question your career or just take something that's small to the yellow card, if that's all that is required to be clearly protesting against uh, human rights abuses. I don't think it's such a difficult question. I'm a little bit annoyed that the England players said that they wanted to stand by like our own cultural rights and like the progression that we're making in our society towards being open to that and then going against it and deciding not to wear the armband, right? So it would have just been a yellow card. Why couldn't at least one player do that? Uh, I don't understand why we couldn't have done that. Um, so I am aware of the controversy around it with this. Um, it's an interesting one because obviously you want people to stand up for what is right and show that, but at the same time it is them and their career. Um, you can understand why they're not as much as, as the viewer, we may question that and we may, you know, have issues with it. But at the same time, if we were the ones on that pitch, there's no way we know how we would react. Um, and in terms of how they may respond, I see, I think it's almost too late at this point. Obviously, the games are going ahead. Any starts that should have been taken should have been taken before they were played out. Um, and now things like the armbands, whilst it is, you know, obviously only a show small and whilst it should have been done because, you know, it shows solidarity amongst players. If you're going to make a stance that late in the competition, and at least in the sense it's going forward, it sort of seems like it's a bit banal. Um, something else should be done in this case. Uh, like I said earlier, it's a bit missed the... Uh some of the big countries are wearing the armbands um, uh, but I did like what the German team did and, which was covering their mouths to show that they're being silenced um, and I kind of wish that 
being with demons. It's something similar to that. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are pretty disappointed in the England team for uh, taking a step back and not actually standing up for gay rights like that. But also, I feel like a scope of what needs to be asked in the situation is what is actually useful for the people of Qatar that are actually living there. And I think the controversy and the fact that they aren't being allowed to wear the armbands may allow some of the people actually living there to kind of question what they're willing to accept from their government and from what is... Uh, currently in place in the country so you know protests can be something as like simple as wearing an armband but you know even the fact that everyone knows that they're not allowed to is powerful in itself there have been some responses saying that we should respect someone's culture how do you respond to that notion especially when respecting someone's culture would result in our queer culture not being respected you see i feel like this is a difficult question because it's two very strong topics however In this sense, I do feel like culture needs to be respected because culture and a religion, I do feel tops the other topic. So I just think it should be respected. I think you obviously have to respect their culture and their beliefs, but I do think it's that we should have free speech. So that is wearing the rainbow collars on their thing. And I think that should be allowed for football players, even if it's in a different, against the Qatar's culture. My thoughts on this will be, um, because like, with Qatar, right, it's such a Muslim country and most of the Middle East are like that as well. They don't really think like how the West do. So in a way, I understand from their perspective what how they think, you know what I mean? I think with that is like, yes, I understand that we're going to another country that has different different rules and they don't like that in their culture, but you have to look at it as a global thing and not look at it as one one specific country's way of looking at it objectively that's not good right there there isn't i don't know how you can defend that apart from saying oh this is just our culture but it's like but that's still a problem you there's a problem with your rules and the way that you guys think and i know the pushback argument is well look at you guys in the west your 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 whole infrastructure and everything is built off of like horrific things and that's so true but we are making change you are not making change so i think it's it's one of those things it's like well why can't we stand up as football as not as the west but as people who don't agree why can't we push back and be like look we don't you're wrong we yeah. think you're wrong you could come to our country and think we're doing something wrong tell us we're doing something wrong you know yeah, we're not gonna your opinion. we're not gonna kick back if qatari people come over and go like <laughs> why why are you doing this we're just gonna be like right well you know what i mean it's hard to explain but i think is, yeah like universally what you're doing is wrong so and it's also that there's there's gay people all over the world in qatar and for them to say mm. there's no gay people in qatar just is categorically not true so they've got to accept it within their own culture why can't they what Qataris who are gay why can't they claim their own culture what do you think teams or people should have done like more specifically if they wanted to protest I think as a viewer 
you know, you're ultimately met head on with the players themselves. And I feel like a lot of responsibility does fall to how they respond. Um, Armbands, I think, were a good start. I think other things should have been done, potentially. Um, movement, people go on their knees, something like that, potentially, or something a bit further. But I think ultimately this is a much bigger issue that comes outside of the players themselves and should have been done by representatives of the team, you know, their managers or teams as a whole as a form of protest, uh, maybe potentially a petition or, you know, general statements about how they feel rather than letting their players kind of take the responsibility as a whole for it. Um, so I think bigger actions from upper level um, people should have been done instead of, you know, small actions on the players. I think um, obviously the rainbow armbands are good, but I think in general, if you disagree with something, your main power to show your disagreement is through a boycott. And it has to happen before where people have boycotted and refused to go on to a World Cup. I don't think this this definitely not been the first time, it won't be the last time. I think it's tough, obviously it's your career and you shouldn't forsake that, but you should also consider you can boycott. It shouldn't be so ridiculous for people not to go to somewhere they fundamentally disagree with the country's values that go and supporting. Because whether you, it might just be, yeah, I don't want to go, but I have to go for my career. You're also encouraging all the people who watch you to go and making it normalised and seem okay to go and don't go for these things where you just find when you don't agree with the country and their values. And that's okay. And that's been true. There have been some boycotts in the past. There's some stuff like, I know over the Olympics, there was, you know, the US and, you know, the Soviet Union pulling out over, you know, the respective countries' involvement in it. So that's definitely a, a valid criticism as well, I think. Well, it depends on whether or not protest is the right way of uh, changing the actual laws in the country. So, for example, during the uh, Tokyo Olympics, they had to change um, certain LGBT uh, laws they had in place in order for them to hold it. I think it's actually probably down to FIFA to be like, you have to change certain laws in order for you to host a World Cup in the first place. It's one thing to kind of host, but like, once you're in a country like that, I can understand why people are afraid to protest because you don't have the support of your home government to know that you'll actually make it out. And it also depends on how it affects the people who actually live there. Uh, it needs to be approached with a cultural perspective rather than what works in our country might not work in the actual home country itself. So it, re it, re it involves um, having to actually speak to the LGBT people in the country in which you are hosting the World Cup. Uh, thank you guys so much all for your feedback. That was really interesting. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Queer in Guitar podcast. Obviously you've heard some vox pops of, you know, just asking general students their sort of opinion, but I wanted to get a more, like, queer-focused perspective. So I'm joined by three wonderful members of, you know, the LGBTQ show on LSR. I would ever like to introduce yourselves, your names, pronouns. Hi, I'm Jenna, I'm second year, she, they, um, yeah. Hi, my name's Darcy, I'm a third year law student at the University of Law in Leeds. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a lesbian. <laughs> that's that's all you really need to know. It's pretty kind, right? Really, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Um, hi, I'm Em. Um, I'm a third year. I do film photography media at Uni of, and my pronouns are she they. And I'm very bisexual. <laughs> I'd say I don't have a strict label, but I'm queer. Yeah, like gals and guys. We're all just queer, yeah. And everyone. Amazing. Well, that's yeah. That's uh, very very cute. So I think first I just want to have like a general chat about like being queer and liking sport i know that like mm. sport and queerness are often seen as like quite inaccessible as a queer person myself i don't really know of any like openly queer people that are also really invested like sport as myself all my other queer friends find it really strange that i'm so into sport despite queerness obviously i think they'd also tend to be like quite male dominated settings mm. yes. and not being like visibly queer is quite a difficult thing to do so i just wanted to ask you guys about like your general opinions you know are you guys into sport or, or are you just you know some of the obstacles you face being like queer well, um, in regards to sport. 
picking up on what you said about it being quite male dominated i just one thing comes to mind on the final of the euros when it was england v italy i went to a lgbt event in hyde park and got the tube back home and it was just me with an lgbt flag sitting on the tube surrounded only by white men in football shirts and i felt terrified and it and then I was going home to watch the football, but I didn't feel like I had a, I had a place, and I just felt scared and yeah. sort of alone. So I also like you, Ray. I I love sport, and I think it's brilliant. But the I think the male domination of it, being a woman and being queer, just makes me feel quite alienated. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I'd feel similar to be honest. Like I'm not kind of I don't really follow sport necessarily. I will watch the F1 when it's on. I do get quite invested in that. But apart <laughs> from that, like you know, I'm not kind of a massive sports person. But my brother and my mum are both quite into their sport, and you know, when the, they're watching the World Cup at the moment, so you know, sometimes I'll sit with them when it's on. My brother goes to like watch it with his friends though, so it's not really on that much. Both my parents are like super into rugby as well, so I've always kind of grown up with sport around and things like that. Yeah, kind of grew up around sport and that sort of thing. But no, I think I'd feel the same way in the sense that um. You know, it's not just I, watching men's football, you know, you kind of see all the um, very sort of rah, sort of getting really into it's it. It's, like, it's, not some, it's not something that necessarily kind of makes you feel the most accepted in the world. However, mm. I will add on that I did enjoy watching the women's Euros. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because that that's like a lot. That's a welcoming space. Yeah. Yeah. Because that felt because like, it's basically queer women in sport largely. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. It, so. Like it, it just does feel like a lot more welcoming, not more accepting. Like especially some of them being like openly queer and stuff. And, and I think as well as that, like queer support groups, like people attending women's sport, there does seem to be like a big like queer following there, as well. Yeah. So there is a lot a, more yeah. of like queer spaces where I feel as if I went to watch one of those games, I'd feel a lot more like safe, or there'd be a place I could go to, versus like you know men's sports male dominated. Yeah environment yeah, I think absolutely. whenever I've gone to see a football game or been involved at all with um, men's sport I've tried to look as straight passing as possible which isn't the greatest feeling in the world yeah. <laughs> yeah no I just wanted just talking about like just also just the women and men gap or like just queer being queer in general I mean, in terms of sport so there's obviously like what we were just talking about on the show is we were saying about um Jill winning Armour Slev and I mean, yes. she's got a girlfriend. She won the Euro. She was England captain. So, like, like you said, in women's in women's football spaces, it's a lot more safe. It's a lot more. I feel like I've got a space in women's football, but men's football, I don't feel that way. Um, I mean, you, there's a a whole other conversation also about trans people in sport, which yeah, I think absolutely when talking about queerness and sport, you can't, you know, that that has to be part of the conversation as well. It's so yeah, like you said, like so straight cis white men dominated i do think it is terrifying I, I love watching football i like i have been watching the world cup and like i enjoy watching football i, I find it really entertaining and i like watching sport and i like sport i don't do sport but it's not because i'm queer and a woman it's because i have asthma <laughs> but, um but i think if i did i would there isn't a lot of spaces that i'd feel that safe i will in. say when it comes to watching the world cup I've not been to the pub once and I'm mostly watching my housemates at home mm, and I same. feel very very comfortable watching with my housemates at home and we have a nice chat about like which players uh like <laughs> sometimes we're like oh like, I'd date him or like oh like <laughs> they're making a funny face or like yeah 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 oh, look at their kit but I don't think I'd feel comfortable having those same conversations and having that nice chat in a pub yeah same. I, don't think I, I don't think I would either yeah I feel very on guard and like sort of having to 
confine myself a bit. I am um, sorry. This is this is a little bit of a tangent, but just coming off what you were saying, then I was going to my boyfriend's on. It was after some some football match. Um, it was definitely England, and I was going to my boyfriend's. And I had to pick up some pads on the way there, and I went to Sainsbury's. It was just full of white men that had just come back from the football because they were all drunk. I could tell, and just buying pads, I was terrified. Yeah, I was so scared of like being made fun of, being like, "Oh, you've got your people." I was so so scared. Yeah, like that's just the kind of like but when energy they resonate. If I saw that same man. Uh, like in like normal not wearing a football shirt i wouldn't like feel scared yes and then it's just it's the, the football, football shirt it's the football and, shirt. The, and, yeah. and the numbers the volume of men yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. gaggle together it's a bit scary 100 percent. yeah yeah that, that's quite interesting so i, I do want to just give a bit more like why the general context about the history of being lgbtq plus in football i know how many of you are familiar with the story of justin fashioning oh yeah he was first openly gay footballer came out i believe in the 1990s mm, yeah uh, while he was first openly gay professional footballer and he you know suffered so much abuse that he ended up taking his own life oh my god and then Yeesh. no one else came out as as gay until uh joshua cavallo i believe in 2021 so like 30 Mad. years later wow it might have been 2019 but yeah anyway uh he plays for australia he's not actually at the world cups so there's still no like openly queer people in the World Cup. And then more recently, there was one incident with Iglesias. He's like Spanish goalkeeper, like legend, really famous footballer. And he was linked with like lots of different, you know, women in Spanish media. And then he claims he was hacked, but he could have just posted this for himself as a joke. And basically he made a post coming out saying, oh yeah, I'm gay. That's why I'm not dating any of these women. And the response from the backlash I don't know if he posted it or if it wasn't hacking but the response is still unacceptable like there were so many comments online with people like Real Madrid fans saying like I'm no longer a fan of this club mm. I no longer support you like you've lost your legend status wow. all this stuff simply for n- making a comment coming out as gay and obviously mm. for me at the time before I knew that it was a hacking or you know he, he backtracked on the statement I was like that's amazing with this one of the most famous players in the world I love watching Ike Casillas growing up he, he was just an amazing footballer like you know him coming out should have been like such an amazing moment of like support and one of the big like super famous players coming out and saying it but instead it was turned into this like really negative thing yeah what I think do you... more of a campaign of hate and positivity yeah yeah um so it, it, in regards to that and with that context what do you think about FIFA's decision to host the World Cup in <laughs> Qatar okay well I think no people listening to this like Qatar does not have a brilliant human rights record anyway FIFA I mean the last World Cup was in Russia where yes. being gay and being it's LGBT also is also illegal and also looked down upon and I'm and now it's in Qatar and it just makes me wonder like what kind of agenda does FIFA have where they don't care at all about it makes me think they don't care at all about any of their LGBT fans. Well, they, they don't. It's a, money, it's a money agenda at the end of the day, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. Like, that's what's kind of taken precedence here. I agree. They've sort of definitely put, like, money over mind. Yeah. Um, hmm. and, and matter when it comes to that. And it breaks my heart in a way because when I'm watching the football, I feel guilty and I feel like I'm not being authentically Same. queer. Same. <laughs> and I feel like I'm letting down my queer brothers and sisters and siblings because like I'm enjoying the football mm. but it's being played in a stadium that was built with modern slavery in a country where being gay can sometimes result in death and definitely imprisonment I, so I feel like a traitor it's I think just the whole the whole decision to have it just breaks my heart it infuriates me this is quite a like a blank statement but I'm not gonna apologize for it they don't care about gay people and they never have they never will they're white straight men that are in charge of a massive football company they don't care about me and my us and i just think that 
it's so difficult because I do know what you mean feeling guilty because I feel so guilty I feel so guilty and it's uh, we're going out for my friend's birthday this Sunday and we're gonna we're gonna go out and then we're gonna go watch the football and this is the first time I'm gonna see it in a pub and I just feel like awful just for doing that it feels like you're letting the side down it does yeah but it's it's like it's not it's it's a difficult conversation i know there'll be people that disagree with me on this but i don't think it's my responsibility i think it's the responsibility of them it's responsibility responsibility of people like beckham it's responsibility of harry kane the england football captain they're from a country of culture and beautiful queer people and amazing queer people and it's on them for not you know and i know it could be oh i lose my job they could retire tomorrow. They'd all be I fine for life. Financially comfortable for the rest of their lives. It should be pointed out. Definitely not with Beckham, who hasn't really given any sort of nod um, to like the abusers of abuse of LGBT people in Qatar. But I think when it comes to the England team themselves, they've done a relatively good job. I feel as a queer person of like trying to make it, trying to like do both sides, which I hate that they are having to do both sides but like harry kane was trying to wear his armband they were trying to like the, yeah like, but the i rainbow. still just feel like there's it more it is performance i mean at the yeah, end of yeah. the day it's only a yellow card yeah it is. and i think what they're doing is performative but i do sort of appreciate it in a way and it feels better than if they were being completely silent but at the same yeah, time it doesn't feel enough no but i, I don't think it is but, but obviously at the same time if england weren't playing in the world cup because the England team um, decided that they weren't going to because of queer people, then the queer, the abuse that queer people in the UK would face oh, from football fans would be insane. Worse than it already was. Yeah, but that, was, that wasn't... You're right, but yeah. that also obviously was not part of their decision. Not once yeah. were they like, no, they were like mm, we can't pull out because of the... Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. No, I just definitely didn't cross their mind. Yeah, I, it just... Uh, it, it just infuriates me and it's why I can talk about it for so long but like the only and I, I think a good example is like Rashford right he didn't sing the anthem at the game the other day yeah yeah and like I feel like that's a but the rest of them did like you know what I mean that Rashford hasn't been penalized for that like yeah I'm sure he got attacked for it on Twitter but he's you know he's still playing at the cup like they can do the same I don't know I just I think there's more there. I think there's more all of these famous white rich men can do yeah no that's 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 uh, fair enough obviously there are zero openly gay footballers in the World Cup on 2022 like what's your view on like homosexuality in relation to, to football specifically like men's football how do you think we can like try overcoming some of those barriers and I think take, I think take the lead from women's football 100% that's you think such of, a good way to put it I think because women's football such a histori- historically has been a space for particularly queer women to go and play sport and enjoy mm. it, the, the viewing figures for the women's Euros recently were quite high and there was gen- generally a positive reaction. Yeah, you've got the odd sexist going on about how, you know, so, so player or other shouldn't be playing or women's football's not going, or it doesn't count because they're women. At the end of the day, you know, the women's, the Lionesses were the first team to win sin- to win any sort of major tournament since, I believe, 1966. You might want to fact check me on that. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, tr- it's right. So it I- came home. As they like to say, mm. and I think I think they won another major tournament in the early to me- early to late two thousands. I want to yeah. say as well in the two thousand. I want to say two thousand and nine. But again, please feel free to fact check me on that one. But anyway, I do think taking the lead from women's football will be a place to start because at the end of the day, you know, you don't get the same sort of 
risk of domestic violence should a team win or lose because yeah. I, th- I know the stats for that are shocking yes, so winning true. i think it's so some, true i think i've read something recently if england win or lose a given game you know domestic violence skyrockets regardless i think it's like 36 37 i don't know the number specifically but it, either way it's a it, it's an increase and that, and that will affect you know queer people and everything so i do think to, yeah i think basically, definitely yeah. one part of like homosexuality and in football and like recognizing the two is if people make an effort to like call out homophobic chance yeah there are quite a lot of them and like i'm not gonna sort of do any of them now i mean i just have the mental image of them all being given a chant lyric sheet upon walking into the stadium being like okay these are our chance chance for today guys exactly i just think if we can do away with the more sexist homophobic misogynistic transphobic rants uh rants chants then maybe that is a way to make football more yeah. safe space. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because, like, obviously, I, th- I think some people will be saying, like, oh, it's just banter, like, it's fine, but it's, like, from the perspective of, like, a queer person, it's not really just yes. banter. Especially, like, in the context now. of the Qatar World Cup, like, well, if it's you're like, being homophobic and you can't be gay, like, how can it be, like, a banter like, uh, That's thing, not a joke, you know? guys. Yeah, yes, I, I haven't really considered that point, so I think that is definitely true. Like, even stuff like just making it a, a place where more people feel as though they can go and, like, every single queer person here has said they wouldn't feel comfortable going into those spaces I think if those like homophobic chants and stuff were taken away I would feel more safe I'd be more likely to go and then just exposure mm. to it I think would help encourage other players to, to come out and, and you know be themselves yeah. there have been some responses admittedly mostly from like heterosexual people from what I've seen saying that we should respect someone's culture how do you respond to the notion of respecting someone's culture especially when respecting someone's culture would result in queer culture not being respected I don't think you can erase one culture to respect another. Well, when it comes to this, if they're if they're saying it's it's the culture in Qatar and it's uh, like the culture of a Muslim country, like Islam is not a religion of hate; it's a religion of peace. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of a cop out for people to say, "Oh, well, you've got to conceal your queerness and you've got to like respect Qatari culture," because like if Islam is a is a religion of of love. And no matter like what it says in the Quran and stuff, oppressing LGBT people in the name of culture and in the name of Qatari culture and it being a Muslim state is and won't ever be okay. And you know, you can say that about all sorts of things. Like if you come here and you know, we pork here, you know, and if someone from a Muslim country came here, um, they wouldn't be like forced to eat pork, would they? No. I, no. Does that much make much sense of a comparison? Yeah, no, I yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. I think you know, I think what you were trying to get at, tell me tell me if I'm wrong, but just like the idea of like if a culture erases another person's culture, that why am I gonna respect that culture if they're not respecting yes. another culture? And I think it's a select few who are saying that. Like there are so many hmm. queer Muslims who would say that like their religion and Qatari culture can be all encompassing and can be respectful, but it's just sort of a choice i feel like yes i feel like there's a difference between actively going against someone's culture and being outright hostile and versus you know just being yourself yeah Mm. and i also think that these people that are saying like respect the culture they probably still have the mindset that being gay is a choice uh thank you so much for your responses so far i just have like one final question (laughs) 
um, which is I, I think one like complexity I've discovered since like getting more like involved in it and like how can I personally protest how what can I personally mm. do to help out but one thing I've sort of discovered is that I think a lot of the protests that are happening at the moment aren't necessarily helpful for the queer people in Qatar uh, there are some reports that Qatar officials are planning a purge on LGBTQ people <sighs> after the tournament to like get rid of western influences and um, I was speaking actually in, in a seminar today and one of my um, seminar leaders was chatting about how like they sort of see it as like an attempt to colonize the country again how westerners are coming mm. in with their mindset and their culture and are trying to instill it into them and obviously with with the history of colonization and stuff i understand why they'd be yeah. resistant to that do you think the protests even though they have been well-meaning so far aren't necessarily helpful to queer people and if so like how could we like what's the most effective way that we can we can protest i think you know you know when you have we have like conversations like this and stuff like that when you kind of address this sort of conversation we're coming at it from you know a white british viewpoint what we need to remember is that you know as scary as it is kind of being in that environment with like you know really sort of bravado and all that sort of you know energy coming from like a football game you need to remember that these there are queer people in qatar there are people and in the 72 other countries where it is also illegal to be gay and trans and all that so i think the first step towards that would just be keeping that in mind and not and kind of keeping more of a holistic worldview in terms of how you approach things in order to kind mm. of go actually well check your privilege yeah effectively just kind of going actually i'm coming at this from some viewpoint there are yeah. going to be people who i don't want to kind of for want of better phrasing will have it worse than me in this situation as it were like that's that's probably the best way i could phrase it yeah. and kind of just keeping that in mind when you're kind of speaking and doing that all that sort of thing i think just in terms of protest i think the first thing is like i think these having these conversations are super important Absolutely. and i thank you so much for inviting us and so thank you for having us okay. um but yeah i think keeping the conversation open but also like like da said like just bearing in mind that your our voices uh, sorry it's it's genuinely it's so just my heart just aches um not as in like it's a medical emergency i'm just sad um, <laughs> as yeah just do about, get checked if just, it is a medical emergency <laughs> um no but it's just it's it's just heartbreaking and sorry it's just, there's so many layers to it isn't it so for, to begin with i feel so let down by the people in this country that are supposed to protect us as queer people and again to check my privilege but i feel let down by the fact that this has been allowed to take part in qatar but also hmm. these people that are in qatar if it's affecting them we need to realize that uh, it's it's so difficult because i want to say like we need to you know take a step back but i'm never i'm never going to tell people to apologize for being queer it's such a difficult conversation it is it's something that you need to kind of have a lot of tact and discretion in kind of dealing with and that sort of thing i think i think just i, don't, I, I honestly don't know i just think in the same way as so many other things in this in this country um i think when things like this happen the best thing the best way sometimes is to to share awareness and to protest is just to keep talking about it and sometimes it. that's all you can do yeah. i mean where just let people know the facts make sure you're getting your information right don't make inappropriate jokes mm. um yeah. it's making sure that you kind of have build a better foundation well not foundation as it were but kind of create a better <laughs> create an environment around you as it were cuz again due to like resource i mean where god knows how many miles thousands of miles away from qatar like you know there's only so much that we sat here can do with like money yeah. and yeah. time and all of that it's Sorry. about kind of building your environment to be better for those around you who yeah. happen to be clear yeah. like i, I think that's and hopefully that will ripple have a ripple effect yeah i, I, like I think, think. it's also quite frustrating is like the powerlessness like as queer people like mm. obviously we're so angry and oh, so frustrated but it's yeah. like what can we do? And especially like when you see like all the human rights pieces and stuff, it's like, it's great we're having these conversations, have these chats, but also it's like, 
we're just a bunch of students from Leeds yeah. at the end of the day. Like, if... Um, sorry. So, like, uh, it, it, yeah, it's just very frustrating. Like, obviously, there's a lot I, I want to do, but, like, yeah, I'm not necessarily what, what we can do. I think it yeah. would just be best to, like, speak to people in those communities. I know there's one uh, person, Dr. Uh, Mohammed Nas, who, you know, yeah, they're, they're queer in Qatar. They are now, I think, in the US. They, like, left, and they've spoken to queer Qataris. They're getting their experiences. So I think having correspondence, you know, with them, but also just, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, there's a high-profile queer person speaking about what it was like being queer in Qatar, speaking to Absolutely. queer Qataris shows that things are progressing. And I think that might be a much more effective way to do it is, is like, basically get those, help those queer people to, like, lobby the government, help those people. Yes. Although it's absolutely terrifying, and obviously although a lot of people that won't want to do it, to be, like, able to say, like, if they can, if they feel comfortable to, like, say, we're queer, we're here, we want to change these policies, Absolutely. rather than Absolutely. just crit- critiquing the government. Because especially if it comes from Western perspective, it just seems as though it's, like, West is not understanding Qatar, but if you have it come from the people they'll be more yeah, yeah it has it has to be in terms of empowering the people that are affected at the end of the day you're meant to kind of uplift those voices rather than kind of shout from a million miles away over them yeah i think honestly think the the best angle uh, that's not the right word best way to go forward is i think keep the conversation going and you know donate to charities lgbtq yeah. charities donate to the people donate to these queer people in Qatar like it's just it's more uh, like we could we could protest right now right we could go outside in the union we could carry signs and go ah you know anti-Qatar anti-World Cup honestly what would that do you have to kind of be practical about it don't you You have to kind of make sure you get stuff done yeah because like at the end of the day as horrible as horrible as it is and I wish this isn't the way the world worked by doing stuff like that by being so like ah like sometimes it can just further that hate that the you know these people have for queer mm. people in guitar and have for queer people full stop mm. that's why i'm so scared of a lot of about just kind of saying things because i feel like it's gonna fuel someone else's hate for queer people if i get something wrong or if i yeah. you, know, you know what i mean i know what you mean i also have the same opinion i mean i get where you're coming from but also in the same vein you know people are always going to Call, call me cynical but people are going to have a negative reaction to us so we need that but that should be a driver to speak up more yeah mm. i think just going forward just keep the conversation going and donate and do what you can but mm. try not to check your privilege but Remember also keep it keep in mind there are the, people dying there are people yeah. getting arrested you know it's not us who are the ones being imprisoned for being gay no it's not yeah um well th- thank you so much for joining it was very very useful to get your insight and for everyone listening back home i hope you've enjoyed the latest the most recent episode of the latest podcast thank um, you for having us yeah. thank you so much for having us no problem see you soon <laughs>